Hi, welcome to Bulletproof Women. I'm your host, Gwen. Join me as I curate the real-life experiences of some of the strongest women I've met, heard of, or read about. For some reason, I knew something was wrong with my body. I just didn't think it was cancer. When I first realized it, after falling in love with a woman for the first time, it was an amazing feeling. I was very, very depressed. I went through a severe depression for about a year. This podcast aims to bring the rich stories and experiences of everyday women among us, the unsung heroines from our lives, past, present, and future. Don't let cancer bring you down. Stay on top and fight it. And that's what I did. I fought it every step of the way. I felt privileged, really, to learn that I have a totally different perspective of this world that we live in. Thank God, with my faith and the help of the community, I didn't get consumed for more than a year. Strong decision. Whatever decision you strong. One decision Listen for fun or listen to learn. Hear what they have to share with everyone or tell us a story yourself. What in life has made us bulletproof? Hi everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Women podcast. I'm your host Gwen. Let me begin by once again apologizing for the delay in posting this episode. I'm back to a full-time job and juggling family life with it has pretty much taken up all of my time. But I finally found a few precious hours I could carve out of my day to get this amazing episode out to you. Just a quick note, this interview was done over Zoom, and while most of the episode is clear enough to understand perfectly what is being said, there may be some anomalies and sound bites that I may not be able to edit out and the sound quality might differ. I apologize for this in advance. Today's experience is from someone incredibly special in my life, one of my very close childhood friends who I've known for over 20 years now, Harsha. Harsha and I met in school in the 11th grade and became close friends when we went to college together in Dubai. We were 15 and 16 years old when we first met and she and I were part of a wonderful group of girls who bonded over everything from period cramps to favorite teachers to boys and how we would pass secret messages to them in the afternoon crossover. While speaking with Harsha, I could not help but reminisce about these wonderful school days, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. Harsha still lives in Dubai and has built a wonderful life for herself, which we will hear about later. As wonderful as her life and school years were, Harsha has had to deal with a physical attribute that made her stand out among our peers, sometimes in ways that hurt. This is her story of living and dealing with scoliosis. Hi, Harsha. Hi, Gwen. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. 
So before we begin with you relating your whole experience, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk about this. I know that this may not be the most comfortable thing to talk about, or maybe because you've had it your whole life, it might be very normalized for you at this point. So mm-hmm. I know it must be dredging up a lot of thoughts and emotions, you know, maybe you're not comfortable with, but I still appreciate that you've agreed to talk to me and, and share your story on my podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you to you, Gwendolyn, for having me as part of your podcast. I think you're doing a wonderful job so far. And I hope I am worthy of another episode. Of course. Thank you. So let's begin by me asking you, why did you agree to tell this story? I know you were hesitant at first when I asked you, and then I was very happy when you said, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) So why did you agree to tell your story? Well, initially when you asked me, I felt like it was a closed chapter for me. Like you said, it's still a part of my life, but I feel like I'm done with the difficulties, which may not be true. I may still have challenges in future, but the major part of my life, the big obstacles that I thought I would face are sort of done with. It's something that I don't think about anymore, which may not be true. I think it's always at the back of my mind and some recent incidents will tell you that. But we had a conversation amongst our family recently and it just got me thinking I went back and I dug deeper in my mind and I felt like yeah actually there is a lot of stuff that happened and maybe I do have something to talk about maybe that can help or put some light upon how a deformity a physical deformity can shape you as a person and how it affects your family and how people look at you. Harsha's story begins Almost at the very beginning, when she was a little girl full of spunk and confidence and nothing or no one could break her spirit. Several comments about her posture is what prompted her parents to finally take notice that their bold and spirited daughter had an anomaly they needed to address. So when I was nine years old, I was diagnosed with something called scoliosis, which is a, a deformity of the spine. Your spine is not straight anymore. It's, it's in the shape of the letter S. Most of the times it can be slightly different, but that's the most common kind. So when I was a little girl, I think around eight years old, I used to walk crooked. I was sort of bent on one side and I had this huge hump on my back. Now, these are the things that were on my back. I could not see it clearly. When I saw myself in the mirror, I could never see it. I was ridiculed in school for walking crooked, for having a hunchback. A lot of my relatives kept asking me, why are you walking like that? And my parents started to get concerned, but we never thought of going to the doctor as such, especially to get it checked. Until one day, a friend's mom, she was saying something to me and she just put her hand on my back. And she felt this huge hump on my back. And she sort of pushed my parents to get it checked. It's not normal. Something is wrong. Harsha has always been a petite woman with a small frame. This physical attribute was so prominent on her tiny figure that it prompted comments from young and old about her posture. It made me wonder whether it ever caused her physical or emotional pain to deal with when it began developing at such a young age. No, never. I never felt any pain. I never saw it. It 
it probably happened very gradually that nobody noticed it as what's that like what's happening and i was very skinny as a child really skinny you could see all my bones popping out i was that skinny so anytime someone told my parents or someone told me what is this bony thing at the back everyone's like oh she's just so skinny all her bones are popping out that sort of a thing and because you know you're sort of in your pre-teens in that time some people thought i was trying to show off by walking in a certain way when we finally went to the doctor i remember the moment i walked into the doctor's office i had to take an x-ray before the doctor saw me you know when you go to see a doctor the nurse checks you out first and immediately they said i need to maybe get an x-ray done before even seeing the doctor so we got that done and within 20 minutes uh, the doctor saw me when i opened the door and when i was walking in i saw the x-ray on his board and you know you always have that feeling like this cannot happen to me when you hear of something when you see something you always have the notion it happens to other people it doesn't happen to us i actually thought that x-ray was of the patient before me and the doctors in were discussing it when i walked in and me and my mom and dad sat there and they explained it to me it was something so unreal i had never seen something like that before my parents had never seen something like that before we didn't know it was possible for your spine to move out of the way and be in this weird shape that's when i was diagnosed and we found out about this whole thing and everything this is at a time when we didn't have google we didn't even have the internet yet it was that long ago and it was so foreign like what is this thing that is when it dawned to us that okay so this is a problem you mentioned that while you used to walk crooked in school and kids would kind of poke fun and people would just randomly ask did it ever strike you that something is wrong with me or you just ignored them how did you deal with it somehow it didn't affect me that much it did affect me till i found out what it was until then people would make fun of me and be like i don't know i'm not doing anything that's just the way it is I just thought okay I looked a little different but when I looked at myself I didn't see anything it really didn't bother me at all in fact my worry was I just didn't want to go to the doctor cuz at that age you know you're scared to go to see a doctor and stuff and I had never been to a hospital before and my biggest problem was going to see a doctor and going to get an x-ray done and I was really scared of that I hadn't been to a hospital before I hadn't gone to see a doctor before unless it was like for a vaccination or your general checkup So I was more scared of that the kids saying stuff to me was not affecting me somehow at all After the shocking diagnosis of scoliosis Harsha suddenly began to see herself very differently Now her posture wasn't just the way she stood but a result of a physical deformity that she had just learned about Now suddenly everything that was said to her about her walk stance and shape hit her a lot deeper than before but for an innocent 9-year-old girl her first thoughts about her diagnosis was not about what others would think about her but how her parents would now view her she worried that they wouldn't want a child like her anymore the entire trip from the doctor's office that day home My mom was crying the whole way home. At that point I couldn't understand why she was crying so much. I was like, you know, there's something wrong with me. Why is she crying so much? I would keep thinking things like does she not want me anymore? Do my parents hate me because I'm not a normal kid suddenly? The same thing, the same kids or the same people saying those things to me after getting diagnosed somehow started hitting me a lot more. 
one of my closest friends would make fun of me and i would feel so bad about it surprisingly until that day i didn't care about what anyone said and after that day it just kept hitting like something is wrong with me something is wrong with me things started to change maybe things were different before finding out as well before but i just ignored it or it didn't affect me and now it is all like oh this is happening because of this this is happening because of this it sinked in slowly over the next 2 years 3 years i had a lot of breakdowns because i was like this i was like this diva kind of child i had to have the best clothes i had to have the best looking this and that and suddenly my clothes were not fitting me anymore suddenly things started to change and it was all because of this deformity now in my life that everything was going the other way for me with no mental and emotional guidance to help her get through such a prominent and abnormal physical change in her body harsha understandably began to feel a mixture of anger embarrassment and resentment in facing family and friends in her condition she gave me a few examples of how deep these emotions affected her and changed her personality almost overnight remember by now it had only been about 2 years since her diagnosis So Harsha was not even a teenager when she dealt with these feelings on her own. There were a few incidents again it was all related to appearance. So as a child I wore a lot of hand-me-down clothes from my cousins and I loved it. I'm really close to my cousins and I loved wearing their fancy outfits. They really had these tailor-made outfits and I would literally wear their fancy frocks on my birthday parties and stuff as well many times. and there was this one cousin i was closest to and i would wait for her clothes to come to me and suddenly they stopped fitting me i remember it was my birthday i was waiting to wear that outfit for the evening party my mom was putting it on for me and the zip would not close and i just that's when i had one of my breakdowns it would not close because my hump was in the way and i just refused to come out in the living room my cousins and everyone was there it was a family thing not a big thing but i just refused to step out of the room i had other clothes to wear that outfit did not fit me and it was like how can this be happening to me another similar incident we had this family function my dad's cousin's wedding or something and i remember we were supposed to go for that and again i didn't have an outfit to wear whatever fit me was like really plain and simple and not dressy and that was one thing and second thing now when i think about it i think i was worried about going and facing people because by then it was maybe 6 to 8 months after the whole diagnosis by then the news had spread between the family and that was the first time that i would see everyone together in one place and i would have to face them and i knew this was going to happen people were going to come up to me and talk to me or people would come up to my parents and ask about it and i have a huge family here in dubai everyone from my mom's and dad's side was here at least when i was little and i think i was just scared to go face that whole situation i don't know why at that point i just had this breakdown i refused to go and i remember my parents were worried what's happening with her why isn't she getting dressed why aren't we going people were calling my mom and dad why aren't you here yet and my mom was just like hysterical on the phone telling i don't know what's wrong with her she's not willing to come and at that time my parents now left me alone at home at least not for an late night outing that they would have so it was really crucial for them for me to you know get ready and get going we have to be there we're losing face it's a family thing we have to be there and i was just like no i'm not going i can't go i was i was adamant i just said i don't want to go and at that time i couldn't understand why i don't want to go 
But later on, when I think about it, I think it was the whole facing the extended family, facing everyone together in this happy moment where all this is running in my head and people are going to come and talk to us about it. And I just didn't want to face the situation, I guess. Another thing besides the whole facing the people and stuff, I had to wear this full body brace all the time. I even wore it to school. I was supposed to wear from my neck till my hips. And that was another thing why most of my stuff wouldn't fit. We had to go get new school uniforms made for me, which were like triple the size. I think that was also one of the reasons. It was not a full-time thing that I had to wear, but I had to wear it most of the time. So I think my parents let me skip it for that evening or something that we had that family function. But I remember that was another reason why I stopped going out to play. I was at home all the time and that was when I was very young. Harsha was now acutely aware of her body shape and it was affecting her bubbly personality. Adding to the fact that she had to wear a full body brace for those two years to help her stand straight made dealing with everyday life extremely difficult. Harsha and her family knew what needed to be done, but they were hesitant to take the next step. The first surgery I had when I was 11, one of the options given to my parents initially was a surgery, but my parents were not willing to go ahead with it right away. We wanted to explore other options and believe me, we did. At that time, whatever option available under the sun, we did it. We did Ayurveda, we did these weird massages. I went and learned alternative medicine therapy myself to be performed on me. We went to India, we took these trips. I joined swimming, I joined, I don't know what not to help elongate my spine and bring it back in place. We tried Reiki. There were these different kind of therapies that were not yet, let's just say they were not recognized yet. They were in process. I don't even know what happened to them, but we've tried it. We've tried everything in those two years between 9 and 11 that I was diagnosed to avoid surgery. And one of the major reasons to avoid surgery was, A, I was a kid. My parents would want to do anything else that would work to avoid that. Secondly, my dad had lost his dad at a very young age during a surgery. My grandfather was only 27 years old when he passed away in a minor surgery. So the thought of that just scared the shit out of my dad. That no way am I going to let my daughter go through a surgery. It's just a phobia he had. But ultimately, that was the only thing left to do. I had to undergo it. And since then, I've been through many. So now it's not a big deal. 15 was the last surgery. 11 was the first. So I had one every alternate year. There was like 11, 13 and 15. Finally, the last option left was surgery. And despite everything, Harsha still had her reservations about going through with it. The doctors knew of their apprehension and even tried one last attempt to manually straighten Harsha's spine, where they hung weights from her neck and waist while she lay flat on the bed and the weights tugged at her spine in opposite directions in an attempt to straighten the curve. Needless to say, that didn't work. Knowing that upcoming surgeries had to be scheduled, like all the other treatments in her life, Harsha made sure that any future surgery, treatment and checkup didn't interfere with school. Because through all of this, she was still just an 11-year-old preteen trying to keep up with all her peers. So the first surgery, we had steel rods installed in my back to my spine. And believe it or not, overnight, I grew three inches because of that one surgery. 
And I knew that because when I came back home after 50 days in the hospital, all my clothes, all my pajamas and everything were above my ankles. And I measured my height and yeah, I had just grown three inches in that one long hospital stay. I did mention that to my doctor and they said, yeah, we kind of straightened your spine as much as we could manually. So it was like two pieces of metal attached with a screw in between inside my back. The first one lasted about four hours and I was in a lot of pain. I was bedridden for the next three weeks. I couldn't even sit up. I was just lying flat on the bed for three weeks after that and just crying in pain all the time. The success of the first surgery gave Harsha a new lease on life, but on a short stick. She once again had to wear a body brace for a year before she could participate in dances and a few sports if she wanted to. I, you know, I'm into dancing a lot and I go for classes and it was summer camp and I used to go for these dance practices and we had a show and everything. And after a year and a half, I start feeling like something is cutting through my flesh in my back. Oh my God. It wasn't, it's not like I was constantly in pain. I think maybe when the rods were in a certain position or touching me in a certain place or something, that that's when it would happen. It, it was just like this episodes which would last maybe anywhere between 5 to 15 minutes, once or twice a week. And I used to feel it for a long time. And I was so scared that I would have to go through something again, another treatment, another surgery, that I didn't tell anyone for a long time, not even my parents. I would just bear the pain. It was excruciating pain. I couldn't bear it. The only way to bear it was I used to go lie down upside down on the couch, like my feet up and my head down. And I could just sort of feel it ease slowly. It was that bad. <laughs> I was 12 years old and I was so scared that something had gone wrong or I did something wrong and I wasn't careful. Because it wasn't easy after the surgery. After the surgery, I told you I was wearing uh, this full body brace from my neck to my hip for maybe one and a half, two years before the surgery. And then after the surgery, I had to wear another whole plastic bulletproof jacket, but made of thick, maybe four inch thick plastic all around your torso. I had to wear that for an entire year, including in school. So again, we had to get new clothes that would fit around that. I would have to sleep in that. It was so, I couldn't put that on and off myself. My mom had to help me. I couldn't even go to the toilet when I was in school because I was wearing that. Because there was no one to go inside the cubicle and take it off and put it on for me. I have actually ended up so many days, I should just like hold my pee or I would just go in the cubicle, somehow manage to get it off a bit so I can go. And sometimes just stood there crying because I couldn't get everything back on again. After all of that, when that started happening to my back again, I was so scared I would have to go through shit again that I just didn't open my mouth. But then it came to a point where I was nearing, I think, a checkup or something. And I got scared and I did finally tell my parents, maybe like a week before the appointment. So by the way, I've been experiencing this. I didn't want to lie to the doctor and I didn't want to blurt it out in front of the doctor for the first time without my parents knowing. So I finally told them. How long were you suffering with that pain before you decided, okay, I have to tell someone? Maybe a month. Yeah. So what had happened was when we finally went to the doctor, those metal rods had come apart and oh they were moving God. freely in my back. So that pain that I felt was literally the pokey metal rod and the actually screw moving around my back and probably poking around my flesh and muscle inside. How did you hold that for a month? <laughs> 
I don't know. Oh, that's not it. I had to hold it on for a little longer because it was, I think, the end of summer vacation. And I had one condition to go through all this. I could not bear missing a year in school. It was just too embarrassing for me to miss a year because people don't know why you miss it. Everyone is going to think you flunked and that's why you're in a lower grade. So I was just too embarrassed to repeat a year in school. So every time we had to have a surgery, I would say, not now, let's just wait till we have some time off from school. So we would try to do it through there. This was during the end of summer vacation. I was in camp. There was a dance show that I was a part of. I remember finishing the doctor's appointment after finding out the rods wasn't two to three pieces in my back. I'm walking into the auditorium about to tell the, uh, we had this radio jockey at that time who was conducting the rehearsals for us. I had to go and tell her, look, I need to drop out. I cannot do this anymore. And I have some medical condition and stuff. But when I walked in that day, she had left early and I was told that, hey, it's not a group dance anymore. You've been made the solo lead of this whole thing and we will be dancing behind you. That was such a tempting thing for someone like me who had to drop out of so many things by then because I had to go through my treatment, wear my brace, blah, blah, blah. I just kept my mouth shut and I went ahead with it. (laughs) Refusing to let go of her one passion and opportunity of dancing in the spotlight Harsha participated in the dance event against all odds and, fortunately for her, everything went amazingly well. The dance was amazing. I didn't say anything to anyone. I just went ahead with it and I did it. Just think of it this way. For a child, 11, 12 years old, that so much had been taken away from me in terms of those extracurricular activities, things that I could not do, that that one opportunity meant such a big thing for me. It was just stupid dance. It wasn't even a competition. But it just gave me so much importance. I was being rewarded for some talent that I had. And I just didn't want that taken away from me. It was my moment to shine and I wanted to take it. The second surgery was scheduled soon after, during another one of her school vacation days, and things began to feel better for Harsha, but it was temporary. Those broken rods had to be taken out, and that's all they did. It was a quick, maybe 10-20 minute surgery, that's it. The first one lasted about four hours, and I was bedridden for the next three weeks. I was in a lot of pain. I couldn't even sit up. I was just lying flat on the bed for three weeks after that and just crying in pain all the time. Compared to that, the second surgery was, yeah, they just opened me up a little bit, pulled the rods out and that was it. And that felt nice because then suddenly I could do everything again. So after that, they took the rods out. Life went back to normal for me, sort of. Everything was going okay. But that didn't stop there. As much as she wanted to feel normal and be treated normally with the rest of the girls in school, Harsha's condition didn't leave much room for that. Even after the second surgery, where those painful rods were removed, Harsha felt a stigma attached to her through the next year that she couldn't shake. So I had the first surgery when I was in seventh grade. And for a year, my mom had to pick me and drop me from the classroom because I was not allowed to carry my school bag. You know, we used to take the school bus, right? So I could not take the school bus anymore. That again, I really felt bad about that because I had a lot of friends in the school bus and I didn't see them for a year. 
you know, you have these friends beside the ones in your class. So I miss that. I used to actually feel sad that my mom had to pick me and drop me and I was missing that part of the day. Then all the teachers were suddenly extra nice to me, which I know it's nice to have, but then it just keeps reminding you that you're different. You're not one of the crowd anymore and different for the wrong reasons, not because you're so amazing in school or because you have these extra talents or something. It's because everyone's trying to compensate for what you're going through. And honestly, it just sort of reminded me of everything even more. I remember once in eighth grade, this was after the second surgery when they took the rods out. You remember we had these big ledgers for some subjects where we had to carry those really big books. And at the end of some classes, we had to carry everyone's, the whole classroom's books to the staff room for the teachers to check or something. And I was helping some of my classmates carry those big heavy books to the classroom. When I walked into the staff room, one of the teachers got very upset. She didn't say anything at that time, but it was her class next. When she came into the classroom, she yelled at the whole class because they made me carry heavy books to the classroom. And I kept opening my mouth to protest that, but I'm fine, but I can. Because by then I was allowed to carry heavy books and everything after my second surgery. They had to take those rods out and there was nothing in my back anymore, which meant I could go back to doing a lot of activities that I couldn't do before. So yeah, the teacher just yelled at the whole class for letting me carry heavy books. And I'm trying to open my mouth to say, it's okay, I can. There's nothing stopping me from doing that. But again, a lot of teachers just thought I was that kid that's different and I should be taken extra care of when I actually didn't need that. They were just trying to be nice, but it's gonna hurt sometimes. Harsha was now reaching her teenage years, a troublesome time of physical changes for every single girl, and Harsha was not spared in any way. In fact, things only got harder for her going forward. Soon, Harsha was offered the final option of another surgery in India, which we will get to later. But before that, she had to endure the teenage terrors of bullying, name-calling, and body image issues. The second surgery was maybe 10-20 minute surgery, that's it. They just opened me up a little bit, pulled the rods out and that was it. And that felt nice because then suddenly I could do everything again. But that didn't stop there. My initial two surgeries were in Dubai and my final surgery was in India. If only I had gotten it done in India in the first place, then I would not have to go through so many surgeries. We did go to India before my first surgery and we met this amazing doctor and we had everything sorted. But, you know, my family has always been in Dubai. We've not lived in India. We have a house there. We visited every four, five years or something. Having the surgery in India meant living there for a long time. And at that time, Indian hospitals had a bad reputation. Like people steal your kidneys. <laughs> it's not hygienic and stuff like that. Plus, we had no immediate relatives to stay with. The houses were closed and dusty and stuff. And living in a hotel would be really expensive. So we just didn't consider that option. But ultimately, after two failed surgeries in Dubai, that is what I did. Basically, when we told the doctor who finally treated me in India what had happened so far, he said, this whole thing that you went through has been stopped a decade ago in India. We've moved on from that. We don't do that anymore. And we've found more advanced treatment for what you have. 
what you went through in Dubai has been abolished 10 years ago. Another aspect was, you know, when we were kids, treatment in Dubai was free. So the first two surgeries I went through, we didn't pay a penny. The government hospitals take care of everything. You don't have to pay for anything. So that was another aspect. When I finally had the third surgery in India, it was expensive, but my grandparents helped us out with that. So this is the next part of what happened. One of the doctors in India had mentioned a sort of cosmetic procedure where to make the hump on my back look a little less. You know, we have these vertebrae in the spine. You could take some of them out of the protruding part in my back to make my back look flatter. Now, he gave that to us as an option to do so that I can sleep better because I can't sleep flat on my back. So he thought that would just make me more comfortable. I wanted to do it for cosmetic reasons because I was starting to get bullied, not only in school, but, you know, you go for these tuition classes, you meet people outside. And in those days, there was this movie that had come out, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay. You remember that movie? Of course. I think every kid knows that movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I refuse to watch it because a lot of people started calling me that. Like I would have younger, younger kids actually at that time walking around and just pointing at me going, hey, look, the hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, look, she's the hunchback of Dubai. And suddenly because of that movie, everyone started calling me that. So anytime anyone said that, my friends would try to, hey, don't say that and come on and blah, blah, and try to protect me. But people who didn't know me, random kids would just say that. So those were, I mean, those were the reasons why I would get a little more conscious. And like I said, when I look at myself, I don't see it. When I look at my pictures, that's another thing. I'm not fond of seeing my pictures. I don't like to get a lot of pictures taken, especially when I'm in the background. Because when I see myself in a different angle, that's the only time I see my back. So it's not in my mind that I have it because I don't see it all the time. I just started getting a little more conscious of what I look like and I wanted to get that surgery done. I coaxed my parents for like a year and a half and I really, really, really pushed for it and they were not agreeing. And finally they said, okay, let's go meet the doctor in India and see what he has to say about it. And I am so thankful that we did that because once we went to India and had the whole checkup and the talk with the doctor, they found out that my curve had worsened and it was bending again. Once before that, my mom pushed to get an opinion from my doctor here in Dubai and we even got an x-ray done. When we went to see the doctor and he refused to do it, he didn't want to do it anymore. We had some bad exchanges with that doctor, the one who operated me the first two times and the rod broke and everything. It, it became sort of a deal because that is not something that should have happened. And again, it was a government hospital here. We couldn't do much and we just let it go. I didn't want to fight. I don't know if my parents fought. I never took it up. The doctor didn't want to treat me anymore. He didn't want to do the surgery. And that's when, yeah, I had to push my parents. Let's go to India to do it. But during that meeting, when I saw my own x-ray, when I just looked at it, I think I had seen my x-ray so many times by then. When we came home, I told my parents, my spine looked different. And they were like, oh, you're not a doctor. How do you know? I said, I'm telling you, it looks different. It looks like my curve has increased. They were not ready to believe me. And that is what had actually happened when we finally went to India and we compared my x-rays from the past. That doctor also told me that it's increasing and we will have to put rods in her back again. What I thought would be a cosmetic surgery where my back would get flatter and I would look better and no one would notice my hump again. Turns out my spine was pulling another one on me. It was bending and not only bending, it was also starting to twist around a bit. Don't ask me how. It was affecting my ribs. My ribs were all over the place. And ultimately I had to get rods put in my back again. And these were much bigger rods. 
these were rods that had to be specially made to fit my body. These are rods that we had to order from US <laughs> to India. And all that cost a lot of money. And it took a lot of time. They had to pull out five ribs from my ribcage. Five ribs? Yep. Don't worry, they grew back. That's how the doctor explained it to me. Bones are the only things in your body, bones and tissue actually, that grow back. See, when you have a fracture, it grows back, right? It fuses back, right? Your broken bone. It's the same thing. It took about five years. I kept checking on it, but they grew back. In spite of the surgery being so complicated, it was supposed to be a six-hour surgery. The doctor had scheduled it for a six-hour surgery. It took 12 hours. I was in the operation theater for 12 hours and my parents were losing it. They thought, oh my God, what happened? Something's gone wrong. But the whole five ribs part was not planned. They had to do it when they opened me up and they realized everything was in the wrong place and they had to sort of jigsaw puzzle me back in place. But my experience in India was so different. The doctors were so much more attentive. They were so involved. This doctor was so busy that by the time I woke up from the surgery, he was on a flight to Bangkok. He was that busy. And you had to wait three months to get an appointment from him. And because my case was so complicated and so complex and I had already gone through a lot of stuff, he was very kind. He took us on earlier. He adjusted me in his schedule. The only thing is every time I went to meet him, I never got an appointment in time, but we would just wait in his clinic for three hours, four hours at a time to get to see him. And it was all worth it. If only we had done it in the first go, then I wouldn't have to go through the four extra years of mishaps that happened here in Dubai. After undergoing an unexpectedly complicated surgery, Harsha was pleasantly surprised with the outcome, both immediate and in the long term ahead. After the surgery in India, which turned out to be a success, did you feel different? I did. Yeah, I mean, there's always that feeling of these rods in your spine. I had it for a while, but I don't remember what not having them anymore is like. I've had them for so long now that it's it's become a part of me. I don't feel them in particular, but there is a foreign object inside your body and you feel it. In India, I was up and walking within nine days. I flew back to Dubai within three weeks, whereas the whole experience in Dubai was much different. I was in the hospital for two months. I had to wear that body brace and blah, blah, blah. Whereas this was a much more complex surgery and I was on my feet much sooner. Of course, I had to be careful. I still have to be careful. I should not be going in crowded places. I should not be carrying a lot of weight. But besides that, life is close to normal for me, I would say. A year later, I did start feeling some pain in my back every now and then. And I did go back to see my doctor. But that was more about, I have to keep myself fit. I have to try not to put on a lot of weight, which I haven't been successful at. (laughs) For me, it's more like, okay, I need to, I need to trim it down a bit because it does affect my back. And I feel it every now and then. The back aches increase and stuff. And if I just keep fit, if I keep exercising regularly, It doesn't happen. But after that, I haven't had to undergo any treatment. I keep an eye on it myself. Every two to three years, I get an x-ray done. 
I think it was after six years or something, I started feeling a little different. I, I was already driving by then and I felt some discomfort in the way I was sitting in the car while driving. And I, I just could not place what it was. Initially, I thought, okay, I was in the car too much. I was driving around a lot. I need to cut it down. But I decided to go get an x-ray done on my own. I compared it on my own. And again, I was telling my mom, my spine has become better. This was six years after. And my mom's like, again, you're not a doctor. You don't know. I'm like, I can feel it. And I can see looking at both the x-rays that it has gotten a tiny bit straighter. And again, we went and got it checked. We got the x-ray technician to compare it to my old x-rays and give us a report. And it was true. Maybe by 20 degrees. That's a big deal because I had a 90 degree to begin with, a 90 degree bend. So that's how bad it was. And I think now after the final surgery, it was down to 55. And I think after that six year feeling something is different, it's gone down to 45. So almost half from what it was initially. And 90 is extreme, I'm told. Finally, Harsha's scoliosis was actually healing and life was getting better for her. This time, it was a permanent solution. She had to and still has to remain mindful of a lot of things in her life, such as her weight gain and socializing limitations, though very few. But after everything that she's been through, Harsha has taken her scoliosis journey to simultaneously serve as a learning opportunity that has helped herself and others whom she's met with the same or similar condition. Do you know the doctor's name? Uh, yeah, I met him recently. I met him after 18 years. I found out randomly that he was coming for a conference in Dubai. And me and my mom just met him last October. His name is Dr. Ashok Johari. And I still pass on his contact to anyone who approaches me for a similar situation. In fact, somebody from our college, Gwenin, has a daughter who has recently been diagnosed with this. And he approached me and we had this whole discussion and I recommended the same doctor to him. He's, he's still doing the same thing. Of course, he's much bigger now. He's mostly going around the world more as a teaching person than actually doing the surgeries, but he still does big cases. Already within two to three years, the kind of surgeries I went through, it's already outdated. The treatment now is so different. It's something I keep in touch with every now and then. I open these forums and I'll check out what's happening. Try to keep myself educated on the whole scenario, the scoliosis world. After being diagnosed for the first time, I have, over time, started noticing. I mean, you can tell, I guess. You've seen me enough. I think one shoulder is higher than the other for me. And when I look at a person, just looking at the person, I know whether this person has scoliosis or not, even if they don't have a visible hump on their back. I, I had this, one of my friend's dad, he admitted to having it. He was an x-ray technician himself, so I think that's how he knew. He had about a 30 degree angle. There was another friend's sister who had it. She had a 25 degree. But for something up to 35 degrees or something, if you just do physiotherapy, you'll be fine. Even with her own trials suffering with scoliosis through the best years of her teenage life, Harsha hasn't failed to see the silver lining and is still very grateful that her condition was not nearly as bad as some of the other cases she's come across. 
have also met people with 60 degree curves, 75 degree curves who have had issues with breathing. They have had uh, dysfunctional lungs. They have had, some children have it by birth and it affects their brain functions. I have been really very, very lucky to have a huge curve and not have any other organ in my body affected. Somehow. I have met so many people with this same deformity and they have had some other major life issue because of this. I asked Harsha to shed some light about her family and social life after the surgery when her life was now getting into a comfortable rhythm. Not surprisingly, Harsha's social life was a pretty smooth ride after the burden of further surgeries and treatments weren't weighing down on her anymore. You know, as I grew up, I realized a lot of things in my life were normal. Whatever happened when I was a kid, I think it was just kids being kids. Kids say a lot of things, they're insensitive, they don't realize. After I grew up a bit, I think even by the time I was 15, 16, even when I had the last surgery, I had nothing but support from friends. Nobody was trying to go out of their way to make me feel special. And that is what I wanted. I just wanted to be treated like any other person, like just another friend. I had a pretty normal life, I would say, then on. I did feel a few challenges when it came to finishing college and finding a job. I think a lot of people would look at me. I felt discriminated sometimes because of how I look. You know, when an interview is going on, this person is not interested. It's not going to happen because the minute they look at you, things change. But I'm glad all those things happened because I ended up having some really good job opportunities where I grew, where people recognized my potential. Never once has the issue with my back been pointed out. We are business educated students. We have desk jobs. There's no physical aspect involved in most of it. If there is someone like that who discriminates the way you look in the way of your job, I mean, it shouldn't matter. Eventually, I think I ended up at the right places and it did good for me. In terms of family, I would say overall, I think the toughest person I had to deal with was my own grandma. She lived with us and I felt like she didn't think I have any potential at all. She would always dismiss me in a way like, I'm not going to end up with anything good in life. I would have to be helped. They would have to find a person to get married to me who's probably handicapped in some way. Otherwise, no one's going to accept me. And It would hurt me sometimes what she said, but then I would just think, well, look at your life. You have friends. There's nothing that you cannot do. You've had guys interested in you. People have been surprised sometimes when they find out that I can drive. And sometimes it's just they're making fun of my height or something, which I don't mind. I am shorter than usual because of my back, but 90% of it is genetic. I have short parents as well. So I think I would have been short anyway. I get comments like, how the hell do you drive? Do you stand up and drive? Like, I just take it all with a grain of salt. At the end of the day, I can do everything that I can do. My mom and dad were, I think, worried when all the surgeries were going on. Will I be able to have a baby in future and stuff like that? Miraculously, my mom had this one colleague who had recently joined her company right before I was about to have the surgery when they were just thinking whether I should have the rods reinstalled in my back and stuff like that. Because by then I was older and things about my future life were more worrisome for them. She met someone in her office who had a similar problem, who had a rod installed in her back and who did get married and have a baby and all that. So that gave her some sort of hope. 
I think she was worried that whatever decisions they make for my life at that time is going to affect me in future. And they didn't want to be held responsible for that. They wanted to make the right decisions for me. And somehow something would happen and would give them some sort of indication that this is the right way to go. And yes, you can go ahead. And I guess overall things just turned out well for me. I mean, I had a great school life, college life. I still have friends from long ago. After everything that she had been through as a young girl, silly remarks and snide comments about her height didn't make a dent in Harsha's confidence anymore. However, the challenging blows came right from within her home. Although her parents and grandmother had walked with Harsha through this recovery and life with scoliosis, they still seemed to have surprisingly low expectations of her and her capabilities. So another thing, I don't think I realized that I was a popular kid in school because of my back and stuff, because I stood out from the others. But a lot of people knew me or knew of me. And I think that was also surprising. Every time we went out somewhere, I would get trailed off because I would be stopped standing on the side and talking to someone I met. And my mom actually pointed that out once. That how is that every time we leave the house, you meet someone you know and you end up talking to someone I think these were things that were a little surprising to them. For me, it was like, I'm just a normal kid. I'm just having a normal teenage life. Why are these things so surprising? I don't know. Maybe they thought that I was this lonesome kid and I didn't talk to a lot of people or maybe a lot of people didn't talk to me and stuff. I didn't realize all these things until something happened and I would see their surprise reaction. My whole getting married was another story in itself. My husband is someone that I knew for, I think, seven years before we got married. We were friends for a long time. We sort of liked each other, but didn't do much about it. I was always hesitant and I always had this notion in my head that maybe a guy will like me, but I never tried to do anything about it or go ahead because I was always worried about how would the family accept me. You know, for us, for Indians, it's not like the guy and girl decide to get married and that's it. It has to be accepted by both families as well. And I just didn't want to take the chance of the guy's parents rejecting me because of how I looked or because of this issue that I had, because they're always going to be like, why do you want to get married to this girl? There's so many other options that we can provide you with, with the whole arranged marriage being more popular for us. So I never really took to marriage positively. In my head, a long time ago, I had this thing that I had more obstacles to overcome. Those were finishing my graduation getting a good job, things that some people in my family thought I could never do and tried to get me married off at a much younger age. So I'll tell you this one incident. When I was 17 years old, somebody in my extended family approached my grandma and my parents that there's this guy. He has some deformity with his leg and he's not able to find a bride. And I think Harsha would be a good match for him. And my family seemed to agree. That was another breaking point for me. I could not believe that is what they thought of me. I was 17 years old. I had just began college. And my grandmother was so grateful to that relative for bringing in this wonderful opportunity for me to get married. And I was like, are you kidding me? If you tell me that when I am a little older, I would still probably consider it. But let me at least finish college. I'm 17. What are you saying? They thought I should not let this opportunity go. And I just shunned it off and I was upset and I was crying because that's what I realized. That's how my grandmother looks at me. She just looks at me as this handicapped person who is never going to go anywhere in life. I mean, no offense to the person 
I don't know what his issue was on anything, but I try to explain to her, do you really want two people to get married to each other just because they both have an issue? Do you think they will live a happy life? Because your whole life, you're going to think you're just married to this person because you have a problem, he has a problem, and that's why you have to be together. Really, is that how you want it to be? I didn't take her so seriously and all the things she was saying to me, thinking my parents will never back this. But to my disappointment, they were of the same opinion. They tried to convince me to at least go and meet this guy. And in one of my later years, that was this whole new turning point in my head in terms of my personality. Determined not to be beaten down to the low expectations her parents set for her, Harsha pushed through life to get everything she set her mind to, starting with a graduation degree. Up till that point, I think I cared greatly about what my own parents' opinion, I would say. I seek their permission for everything I did. I listened to all their rules and regulations about going out and doing this. And you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. And I would never protest or fight for things I was not allowed to do. Maybe a little sometimes, but I wouldn't push it. And somehow, in a bad way, I realized they had very low expectations for my life. Every time I did something, anytime something good happened to me, it was a surprise for them. You know, for our education system, the 10th grade and the 12th grade is a big deal, right? So when I got my 10th grade results and, you know, we had this first class and second class, when I got first class marks, my parents were like, what? We thought you would barely pass. And I'm like, why would you think that? I mean, I, I was an average student. I wasn't a topper or something, but I was happy about my results. And they were like, we're just happy you passed. Like we thought with all the stuff you're going through in life, you'd barely make it. And I was like, really? That was like a turning point. I started caring a little less about what they thought of me or how they looked at me. I felt like if that is how my parents look at me, if that is what they think of me, I started caring a little less about their opinion and about what they permitted me to do or not. It's like I became a lot more determined about I'm going to make sure I at least complete my graduation. And nobody in my immediate family till then was even a graduate, I think. A lot of my cousins had dropped out or not completed their graduation. I wanted to make sure I do that. I wanted to make sure I get somewhere in my career. I was already working to support my college education and stuff. But those were just like starter jobs, something you do on the side to pay tuition, stuff like that. Which did help me in terms of experience when it came to getting into the real world. Harsha was easily able to prove everyone wrong and flew ahead of most of the other members in her family in terms of education and career. Along the way, her love life blossomed too. She's happily shared the romantic story of how she and her husband Lalit got together as well and how he felt about the possibility of them not having children because of her scoliosis. It wasn't a family thing. We liked each other, but we didn't do anything about it. Then Lalit went through his own experience with marriage. And I had these things in my head that his family might not accept me. And our could-be relationship sort of trail off. And then he had an arranged marriage. He got married to someone. That didn't work out. He got divorced. And I remember I was in India. Both my grandparents were very sick, very, very sick. And we were in the middle of all that. And he was in the middle of his divorce. And somehow we started chatting again. We were, we were in touch on and off after we sort of trailed off from a sort of relationship. We were in touch and we started talking. We started chatting a lot. 
then when I came back to Dubai, we met a couple of times and we started meeting more. And then we, we knew we liked each other. But again, we were too hesitant to do anything about it until his family sort of started finding girls for him. The whole arranged marriage thing started happening again. And one day he just freaked out when he met the parents of some girl that everything was just about to get fixed. He just freaked out. He left from that house where he met the girl's parents and all that. Called me. I have to meet you right now. Went down, sat in the car and he just blotted stuff out. And that was the proposal. We decided to start seeing each other. And then and there, we decided that we want to get married to each other. We'd known each other for so long that we didn't really have to wait for a sort of courting period. Even then, at that point, I wasn't sure whether I'll ever be able to have kids because of the whole back situation. And I discussed it with him. I told him, look, even if this does go ahead, first of all, there is a chance that your parents may not approve of me. He said, I don't think that's a problem. My parents will not have a problem. I know them. I told him about the whole kids thing. I'm not sure if I can have kids. I mean, I know I can have kids. I can get pregnant, but I'm not sure if I can carry a child in my body. His comment was, yeah, that's okay. I hate kids. I said no I would like to have kids but I just don't think I can carry them and I told him I still want to have kids so what what do you think about adopting a kid and he said yeah I'm up for it I mean I hate kids but then later in life if I feel like I want to have it and if you think you don't want to carry one or you can't then yeah we'll just adopt a kid and yeah that's it that was the discussion Oh my God, seven years of going back and forth and then one big blot out. And then he's actually gifted me a, a map of the location where he proposed, I'm, I'm, I'm air quoting this, proposed to me in the parking lot of under my house at that time. And I'm looking at that map on my wall right now. We've just stuck some hearts around the actual geolocation of that place. Two months later, we were engaged. Three months after that, we were married. Harsha and Lalit faced a few bumps along the road when dealing with family about their unconventional proposal and relationship. But it was nothing they couldn't deal with together, and they've been happily married for a few years now. As for kids, Harsha was eventually blessed with her first healthy, full-term pregnancy and delivery of her baby boy in 2018. Harsha says that even though Lalit initially joked that he hated kids when he proposed to her, when he's with their own son now, the reality couldn't be further from that. Lalit is an amazing and attentive father to their son. I had a great career, which I myself took a break from to have my baby. I had a baby very easily. My pregnancy was fantastic. My delivery was It was a piece of cake compared to all the surgeries I had. People are so scared of having a cesarean, a C-section, and it was the easiest surgery I had. For me, just the fact that I can have a baby was such a big deal that having a C-section was like, oh, I'll do it. (laughs) I've done surgeries before. I'm sure I can do this one too. Just the fact that with the whole confusion going on in my body, it would also carry a baby I don't want to invite a problem just because I want to have a normal delivery, but C-section isn't so bad. If it's going to make my life easier, make me more available for the baby, then I think that was the best option for me at that point. You know, the whole structure of your spine changes with the rods in there. And I was so worried, but 
I met a few gynecs before conceiving, whether we should even go ahead. They all gave me the green signal and they all told me, well, having the baby won't be a problem. It's the delivery that could put a lot of pressure on your back. So you could go for an elective C-section and should be all okay. Then I think at least two of them told me, but if you do go through a get into labor naturally, and if you think you're about to deliver and it just happens, it happens. I mean, you don't have to stop it. I mean, maybe you can. But I didn't want to be in a situation where I tried too hard. It gave me some sort of pull or some sort of wrong push to my spine. And then I had to be bedridden to recover from that for a while. That would just complicate everything. Well, thank you very, very much, Harsha, for giving so much insight into everything that you've been through and how scoliosis issue has affected practically every aspect of your life in some way or another, emotionally, mentally, And it's very, very commendable and very encouraging how you overcame everything all on your own, literally all on your own. We were friends for a long time and I don't think I ever gave you any (laughs) help from my side to say, oh, Harsha, you can do this. Because honestly, it looked like you had everything handled. I never felt like you needed any sort of backup or, you know. Thank you for that. Yeah. So I just wanted to say you are very strong and it was always very obvious to me that you can handle anything. So it's a real eye opener to know that even though someone might seem so strong and so pulled together that actually you had to struggle with a lot of things on your own and you you overcame it. That's very commendable and very encouraging. I wanted to ask you how, in your opinion, going through all of this, how has that changed you? And what advice would you give anyone who's going through any sort of hardship? It doesn't have to be a physical issue the way you did, but it could be anything. What advice would you give someone who's overcoming any hardship in their life? I would say it changed me from the person I would have been. I mentioned earlier, I was like this diva kid before all of this started. If this had not happened to me, I would have probably grown up to be this really selfish person, this very vain person, maybe impatient, which I was as a child. One of the biggest positive thing that has come out of this is patience. I think I have a lot of it now. I think I only got it from my whole ordeal. And you said I've gone through this all on my own. I don't think so. I think it's affected my family as much as it has affected me. For all the shortcomings my parents thought that I would face and all the low expectations they had of me, it has still individually affected their lives as well. My mom had to leave her job so many times and give it up because she had to take care of me. I feel there was less attention given to my little brother from my parents because they always had to look out for me. My dad always feels guilty about not being financially stable and giving me better treatment. He always has this guilt that, oh, if I had more money, you would have got better treatment. So it just doesn't affect me individually. It affects the whole family. So ultimately, when everything turns out positively, you don't remember all these hardships anymore. I mentioned I met the doctor recently after 18 years when we met him. My mom just stood there in front of him and just kept thanking him and started crying there. And I think it's difficult to grow up with, but once it's been dealt with and you move on with your life, it can be done. It can be done. If you have a good support system, if you have people around you who are there to take care of you, besides all of it, you you just have to make sure that You look at the positive side of it. Like I said, the first surgery I had, it was sort of a disaster. But the positive thing is I I grew three inches overnight. When I had the second surgery and the rods had to be pulled out, 
I felt happy because I could do so many things again that I couldn't because I had dots in my back. I had my third surgery and it gave me assurance that my spine is not going to curve anymore. So that's not something I have to worry about. Overall, I feel my life has been positive. I have had a normal childhood upbringing. This was just one of the things that was going on on the side. I still seem to have accomplished everything that another normal preteen, teenager, 20-year-old would with life, studies and career and husband and children. <laughs> everything turned out okay. So whatever you're worried about is just for that time. And if you just keep stringing along and let it happen and wait for the positive part, think about the other things going on in your life and not make it the center of everything that's happening, I think. It's just something that you will not remember anymore. My last question now would be, what does being bulletproof mean to you? It means you can overcome anything if you set your focus on it. Don't let anything become an obstacle to what you really want to achieve. Remember, it's only an obstacle and obstacles are meant to be overcome. You have to move ahead. You have to go beyond what is happening in that moment. Don't let it bring you down. Just move on. Just wait for it to pass. And I guess that's what makes you bulletproof. Harsha is now a stay-at-home mom, or as I like to refer to them, a superwoman mom. She's one of the calmest, most caring, friendly, and charismatic people I know. You would never guess that under that quiet, small, petite frame was such a powerhouse of a woman who I count myself very lucky to have as such a wonderful, close friend in my life. If you would like to connect with Harsha for more information on her scoliosis, treatments, or even medical connections, send an email to bulletproofwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bulletproof Women podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's story. Stay tuned for my next episode. Until then, stay safe, stay strong, and remember, you are bulletproof too.